Welcome to Getting Melfi with Mark and Meg, a podcast where we talk all things taboo from self-care to sex work. Get ready to be comfortable with all things uncomfortable. Now let's get Melfi. Hi guys, welcome back to Getting Melfi. Um, it's your host Mark and, and your other host Meg. <laughs> Meg recovered from her allergic reaction. <laughs> I did, I did. Um, so this week we have um, a guest. Her name is Emma. You may know her by her inter... Uh, hello? <laughs> her Instagram handle at intersectionalabc. Um, and if you don't already know her, you probably should. So welcome, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're so excited. So I just want to give a quick like content trigger warning for this episode. Um, we will be talking about sexual harassment. Um, so if that experience if that is something you have experience with um, or upsets you, please feel free to bypass this episode. There's a bunch of other ones that you can get your mouthy Monday fill on. Um, yeah, so if you need to not listen, no hard feelings. Um, okay, so let's get going. So Emma, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What you do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, my name is Emma Tang. I am a um, 18 year old political youth activist. Oh, you're I- young. Very <laughs> young. Yeah, yeah. I just turned 18, so this is my first year voting. Um, Whoa. Cool. Yeah. And I guess my goal is to just try to get the youth to not only vote but to be activated and to do things in their community more. Mm-hmm. And you're from the States, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we're from Canada. <laughs> so a little different like political system. Um, but I guess democracy is this sort of the same, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pardon me? Oh, you guys just have a much better leader than we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, yeah. Okay. That, yeah. Um, okay. So tell us about, um, you wanted to talk about, um, sexual harassment. So, and the culture around it. So let's talk about that. Okay. Um, well, I guess with my own experience, I am actually an intern with a U.S. Senate candidate. Her name is Stephanie Rose Balding. So if any of you U.S. listeners are out there, um, (laughs) Yeah. So I guess like I was working on her campaign as an intern and I was also a campaign manager to a a U.S. Congress, like U.S. House candidate. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I had been sexually harassed on the Senate campaign. And when word of that reached my other campaign, I had to kind of explain my story. And my boss, she told me, you know, like, you're hurting my campaign. You're yeah, like you should have kept quiet. Why are you doing this for retaliation? Um, Just a lot of things that were generally unsupportive and something that I would not have expected from a woman. Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, so that was kind of just very shocking. And then, you know, I was getting a lot of anxiety from the fallout of the harassment. Like I talked to the police and they were very unhelpful um Mm -hmm. and I was also a minor at the time so I was right and so I didn't really have any legal protections Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess just after the fallout I was having a lot of anxiety and it led to my boss on the uh, house campaign she cut most of my hours so I was 
not working really at all. Um, and then I ended up quitting. So that was back in around August, September of 2019. Okay. And yeah. So then a few months later, like the guy who had harassed me, he quit the campaign. He quit the Senate campaign and he had moved to Texas. And then, mm-hmm. so everything was very quiet for a few months and mm-hmm. January. So last month I get a call saying that he's coming back to where I live, which you know, that's fine. I can't keep him out. But the reason he's coming back is because my boss on the house campaign hired him to fill my former position. What? Oh my God. Yeah. Holy shit. Was that a sense of like betrayal? Like, did you feel like a lot of betrayal and like what kind of emotions? Yeah, like that? yeah just very, I was so upset. Um, mm-hmm. I understand. I guess- because as a woman and as a woman who had been open to me about her own campus assault experience, I just mm-hmm. did not process like how, what, what, and why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah. Yeah. So that was really, really difficult. And we had our annual women's March and that's the day that he came back. So oh my God. yes. And that was so difficult because I was an organizer and she's also an organizer. Mm-hmm. And- I had asked kind of the organizing team if we could maybe ask her to not bring him. Um, yeah. Because how does that, well, first of all, how does that reflect on our event? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would just be so difficult for me if both of them are there. Well, and not only for you, I feel like that can be almost triggering for um, other people who are marching with you in the Women's March um, in solidarity like standing up against these things like if people have like other people have sexual harassment um experiences I feel like that can be really triggering for like a perpetrator to be there right like even if it's not their experience Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and I guess I was a speaker and I had like three back-to-back panic attacks and then I had to go up and speak in front of like a thousand people oh my god like I was, I couldn't feel my face. I couldn't feel my hands. I was just mm-hmm. trying to like not pass out in front of so many people. Um, so that was a very difficult experience. And during the march, uh, well, actually not even that, like 10 minutes after I got there to set up, he sends me an email and he says like, you're slandering me. You need to stop. You need to take everything down to kind of, I guess, intimidate me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of led me into having those panic attacks. Um, But then during the march, her team actually came up to me and threatened me. Um, Yeah, so one of her um, people came up to me, took a picture of my sign. Oh, by the way, my sign for the Women's March said, we do not fucking stand protecting sexual abusers. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like he took a picture of my sign and he was like, Who is this reference to? And I said, Jillian, my boss, and Thomas the harasser. And he was yeah. like, We're gonna pay for that later. And I was like, This is at a women's march. I don't know what to do. Yeah, literally like <sighs> whoa. Yeah, so it was just a lot. And then I did like a lot of crying. Um my other boss so my uh the senate candidate she was actually our keynote speaker and Mm -hmm. she ended up like giving me a shout out I guess at during her keynote and saying you know like I see you I hear you and I believe you and so Mm -hmm. 
And then after she had all of the women of color come up on the stage. And by that point, I was just in so like a lot of tears. So yeah, I did end up crying in front of that thousand people. <laughs> <laughs> Sharing that vulnerability, though, I think is um, appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I hope so, because I did a lot. <laughs> um so do you feel comfortable divulging like um what the level of sexual harassment was like what were the actions that were taken yeah so it was definitely a gray area I think um and it only happened once because after that I refused to like be in the same room as him so I didn't give it a chance to happen again yeah. Um, but it was actually at our pride march. And so I was scheduled to work. He was the field manager, which is one of the most high paid positions um, on the campaign. And I was an intern mm-hmm. and I'm not paid. And he's also mm-hmm. 20 age. So age gap, um, the level of power imbalance, and he's a man and I'm a woman. Yeah. So lots of power imbalances. So he kind of just took it upon himself to talk about a lot of his past sexual experience with experiences with me um which as a minor was very um uncomfortable because I yeah hear it and I I told him like can we change the conversation I kind of walked off he kind of followed me and kept talking to me so eventually I just kind of blocked it out but Mm -hmm. I didn't really tell anyone until two months later because I didn't think that it I didn't know how bad I was feeling about it at the time, I guess. Right. I didn't know that like it qualified as sexual harassment because he never actually made a pass at me because he's mm-hmm. so that's where like the gray area is. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. When did you kind of realize that it was sexual harassment? It wasn't just like conversation, I guess. Um, so after I talked to you um, my supervisor. So I talked mm-hmm. to my supervisor and the candidate was also there. So I kind of talked to them about it a little bit and they said like that qualifies as sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kind of had to explain to me that it doesn't matter your sexual orientation. You should not mm-hmm. be telling minors like while you're working also. Yeah. That so professional standard. I think that's like the part that like shocks me the most is just like the fact that again you were a minor at the time Mm -hmm. and his like just the position that he's in that high up especially in like a political political sense like it blows my mind um but also the part of your story when everybody was just kind of like turning a blind eye to it and just there was no um trust or like belief in the words that you had said um especially as a minor is, is the part that just, it, it kind of irks me because I feel like coming from somebody so young and, um, but also like in the position that you were in with a lot of older people and a lot of like experienced people, um, that, yeah, that just like shows their level of like professionalism and their level of, Mm -hmm. it's just like, I don't know what word I'm looking for. It blows my mind that people in those positions would do or say the things that they did. And Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's not even the harassment anymore because that happened over six months ago. I'm mm-hmm. over it, you know, but it's just 
it's a test to see who is actually progressive. Like, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. this happened and how are you going to respond to it? And I feel like that is really a test to see how progressive are you? Like, do you actually stand behind the words that you say and that you support like victims of this and survivors of assault? Yeah, like it's easy to say that you're a supporter um, and you're a feminist and all this stuff. But like when it actually comes down to it and you actually have to stand with people and believe people and be on their side, like victim side, it's it really shows people true colors. Right. And action speaks so much louder than what it's doing. Yeah, completely. I think that says a lot about the people who are like those those that candidate and everything else. Yeah. And so like our this candidate was so unsupportive and not even that, but like after I had put out my story on like social media because the police obviously weren't going to do anything about it. Yeah. Um, so many people that I looked up to and that I had considered to be a friend like did not support me. And when he put up his own post calling me a liar, they went and they supported him and like didn't mention me by name, but was like, I know who you're talking about and mm-hmm. that's not true. Right. Yeah, that I was um, I was driving home and like I was about to drive home and I had looked at that and I had just started crying to the point mm-hmm. where I couldn't see the road and I had to pull over because it was oh just so bad. So do you think like sharing your story has like obviously I think it's good to share your story and um um, to normalize the conversation, but how has it like affected you? Has it affected you in a positive way, a negative way? Obviously, there's been some negative um, feedback. Um, can you talk about that experience a little bit? Yeah, um, I think that it was overall, I mean, I would have never wanted this to happen, but mm-hmm. it really did show me who was progressive, who was not, um, who is willing to take steps to actually support me. Um, yeah, I guess like it was good in the sense that I was very new to the political scene where mm-hmm. I live here. And after this, I know who to stay away from. I know who I can work with, you know, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that sense, it was an overall positive experience, but emotionally and mentally was probably one of the most difficult things. Yeah, of course. So what can like... I personally have never, thankfully, been a victim of um, sexual harassment, sexual assault, anything. But um, I want, I always am curious, what can I, what can, what can people do? um, What is the best thing for victims for other people to do? Like, um, say, if it was a perfect situation, what could have your friends done to support you? Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that does. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess it's just like you can unfriend the harasser and the abuser, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is probably one of the easiest steps. You can do yeah. that. You can show support online and in person. Um, mm-hmm. You should like tell the, per- the victim that you support them. And just, I guess, be careful of what you say online. Because even if you're not talking about a specific person, if you... Mm-hmm. I don't know if you comment something that's like shaming a victim on something else, but you say you support this person, like they were to see that it doesn't really add up 
So I guess just like being careful about your language because even if you don't mean for it to become like a victim shaming statement, mm-hmm. it still can be. And then you don't know how many people saw that and you don't know how many people have been, gone through like their own experiences with that. And now mm-hmm. you as someone, they should not talk to you about their experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's so important, like, we were raised in a culture of, I guess, like, victim victim blaming and trying to unlearn those behaviors mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of recognizing your privilege in that, too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that's important. And I think, like, as myself, I've been involved in... in Um, unfortunately two sexual assaults now Um, and I think just like the biggest thing that I found to be a support was just like having the people around me tell me that like they believed me and that there was no questions asked like Mm -hmm. they weren't like when did it happen how did it happen why did it happen it was more so just like straight up like I hear you I believe you what can I do now yeah Um, but I've also had like the people who were like well like why did that happen like you clearly did something that provoked it provoked it or said something or like there was something along the lines um that that made it happen that way and like then I think that puts so much more pressure on the victim because they're constantly thinking about like well what did I do Mm -hmm. what did I do before this happened or before this incident that like actually caused it I think that causes so much more pressure on victims and and people who are yeah like you're not a judge or a jury so mm-hmm. you're done no. yeah, exactly like you weren't there you don't know the story you don't don't yeah. question stop interrogating me and like yeah. especially when it's not even just one person but it's over and over and over again like I have said my story so many times and like I have probably come up with pretty much all of the answers to those questions like those interrogation type questions mm-hmm. yeah so many people have asked me that yeah. I have to start coming up with those you know? Yeah. And so sometimes I'm like, you know, when you repeat something enough and you're like, did this even happen the way I'm thinking it happened? And then you start to yeah, like your, your brain can make up, make yeah. up things. Yeah. And then after you ask so much, I feel like for me, I started doubting myself. Like, did it even happen? And I even, I just had to start writing it down. So I documented everything um, from like, October or September-ish and then like I started doing like a mental health document documentation and I saw that I like cried every day for two weeks I was like oh my god that's not healthy so like being able to see it rather than relying on your own brain I think helped me get it straight yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what has been um the biggest like so the mental health journal journal um are there other um I guess like healing things that helped you like how what's been your healing journey I guess it's probably ongoing um yeah yeah for sure um I guess it's like I'm okay when I don't see them you know like and I'm away from them for a period of time so I haven't seen them since like two weeks ago at the women's march and I mm-hmm. slowly become very okay mm-hmm. I had okay enough to do this podcast and then like I'm supposed to see them on Monday and that's going to be rough and then I have to see them on Monday. so I guess it's 
like almost spikes in anxiety of when I have to see them, who can I bring with me? Um, Mm -hmm. Through the situation, I got a cat. And so now I bring my cat everywhere. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) That I think is actually one of the most helpful things that I've done is gotten myself a cat and having animals are amazing and like how animals can read our emotions and we don't even understand it's like yeah yep so when I like after the women's march um because you know there was that like intimidation they had threatened me I was worried that they were going to sue me because a bunch of people had come forward and told me like be careful you probably have a cease and desist letter coming your way and oh my you're sued for slander. And I oh was like freaked out, had yeah. a bunch of panic attacks. And my cat, I guess when I hyperventilate, she comes over and she just sits on my stomach. Oh, And it kind of just like that pressure, I guess, calms me down a little bit. Yeah, that's what they say about like anxiety. Like, you know, you give people like a big hug. If they're having a panic attack, right? Or like, yeah, weighted blankets. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're yeah. cute. Um, or a cat <laughs> that works too. <laughs> yeah, she just, she's great. I love her. Oh, okay. Um, so I want to talk about your, uh, well, first of all, are you, is there anything else you want to add about the sexual harassment case? I don't want to cut you off if there's more you want to say. I think that's, I think that's good. Yeah, I think I've covered Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good. Um, I just want to make sure you shared your story enough. As yeah. much as you wanted to. So I want to talk about your Instagram. So intersectional ABC is the name. Mm-hmm. Why why the ABC? Okay. Why? ABC <laughs> is um, American born Chinese. I am okay. born Chinese. So uh, yeah, my family is from Taiwan. Um, I'm so I'm ethnically Chinese and also Taiwanese. That's complicated. I don't <laughs> to explain that one. But uh, <laughs> I am American born, so ABC is just a very straightforward. Okay, I I had no idea. I yeah, was like, either. I was like, is does she talk about like like intersectionality from like the whole alphabet, like ABC? Uh, I didn't, <laughs> I was like, why ABC? <laughs> but I get it now. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So, why did you want to start activism like on your Instagram? So when I started my Instagram, it was like March of twenty seventeen. So we are coming up on about three years. Um, But it was right after, well, a little while after the election. And Mm -hmm. during that time, I was training as a competitive figure skater while doing full-time school. And I just had no time to do anything else. Oh, and I was also training as a pianist. So I had, like, no time. You're crazy. Um, Good for you. (laughs) Thanks. But I I didn't have time to do anything in person. And I was also living in... A very conservative state so there was okay. not really anything to do anyway mm-hmm. um, and I had followed a bunch of um, like activism and feminism accounts but I didn't really like what I was seeing okay. so I thought that I could create my own and that way I can control the narrative better mm-hmm. so that is kind of how I created my Instagram so what didn't you like about those specific feminist accounts um, I guess a lot of them were was very like generic feminism. It doesn't really make you think, and it kind of just right. um, it shames a lot of people in the process. And mm-hmm. 
you can't turn people off to activism because we're all supposed to be fighting for the greater good, right? Right. We divide ourselves or if someone divides us, then they're winning, right? Like how, how can we as a group fight for equality if we're all fighting each other? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. We need to be one, I guess. Yeah. Um, so in your bio, it says decolonize your thinking. What, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Um, so it kind of goes back to like earlier when you said, um, we're born with this kind of almost victim shaming thinking. So yeah, like that. Um, and so we've grown up. So for example, what we're taught in school, right? In America, we're taught Columbus was a good person. Columbus mm-hmm. discovered America and he helped the Indians because he thought it was India, right? But mm-hmm. in reality, Columbus came over and raped and murdered and committed genocide. And we're not taught that. And Yeah, same happened in Canada. Yep. Yep. Okay, I was going to say, I'm, I think it happened there as well. So, yeah, yep. For sure. It did indeed. Yeah. Like the thinking that we're brought up with in our school systems is mm-hmm. so, um, like majority focused, right? Yeah. Like we're not yeah, taught. Kind of. Yeah. Like, for example, I was never taught Asian American history. Like, all I know is that we were forced to build railroads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, yeah. and that it was a choice and that we were paid very well which is all not true. Well, no, but like we, we were not paid that well. Um, or that like, I don't know, a lot of just the colonizer points of view, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, here on the top, everything seems fine. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess, um, sorry, go ahead. Okay. I guess it's just like decolonizing your own thinking by constantly questioning why are you thinking this? Is it because you actually believe it or is it something that you were taught? Yeah. And I think it's important to just kind of be critical about like recognize like who taught you this and why did they teach you this? And why do you believe this is right? You know, like who is telling you this information and is it really correct? Like I remember there's this Canadian um, social studies textbook, um, and they've come out with new versions now, so it doesn't say this anymore, but it said um, Europeans came to Canada and made a deal with um, First Nations people um, to share the land. And (laughs) that's what they were teaching. And that is so not true. true. Like so far off. Right. So it's, it's important to always kind of question I guess what you're learning, who you're learning it from, like, is this really the truth, right? Yeah, absolutely. And for us, we were taught that the natives here taught people how to grow corn in the middle of winter because they were good and everybody was getting along so well. And if people died, well, that's their fault. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's not really accurate. And it's definitely like a colonizer point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, or we were taught like slavery is not that bad. So What's that? We were taught like in school, slavery was bad, but it was not that bad. Yeah. Oh my god! So, like it's just minimizing people's struggles, I guess. Yeah, and 
we actually how bad it actually was and um diminishing their stories and um not allowing them to even share their stories right mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so how does that um i guess that racism point and decolonizing your thing how does that intersect with feminism um i think feminism is supposed to be intersectional right right so i guess like I don't know if that answers it, but you should always yeah. kind of, I guess there's a poem and I don't remember who wrote it or what it exactly said, but it was okay. like, if you don't fight for this person because it, or you don't fight for this issue because this issue doesn't affect you. And mm-hmm. then the government say, like, takes away those people. And then mm-hmm. Or I don't know how to explain this. Like, if you don't fight for these issues because it doesn't affect you, eventually there will be no one to fight for you. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. And I think I've heard some version of that. Or Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, in your bio, it says, um, to, like, feminist in progress. I I thought that was really interesting and clever and... I want want to know about that. Why do you consider yourself a feminist in progress? Um, I guess because we are all always learning, right? So Mm -hmm. it kind Mm -hmm. of ties into cancel culture. um, When, but I think it's so easy to cancel someone online and not discuss like why do they feel this way and kind of like did they even know that they're wrong? Because there's two types of ignorance, right? There's ignorance where you really just don't know and there's mm-hmm. ignorance where you choose to not know so if mm-hmm. we don't investigate this whoever's being canceled and what kind of ignorance they ignorant they are mm-hmm. that's not giving them a chance to learn right and if they're right. purposefully being ignorant and we give them that chance and they still refuse then then i think it's you know it's okay to say that you you know you're not an actual activist um so feminist in progress is really just everyone is always learning and to mm-hmm. give people a chance to learn before you cancel them. Right. I think that's, I think we're all lifelong learners and that's mm-hmm. really important. Like, like you said, if you're ignorant because you just don't know, well then we need to teach you. And yeah. if you're ignorant because you know, you just don't want to believe it or whatever, then. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think that kind of goes into, like, ignorant where you don't know. Um, A lot of times, the majority, so, for example, like, white Americans, they feel that it is our job as a minority to teach them. So a lot of times, I would tell people, Google is real. Use Google. Yeah, use Google. (laughs) It's a great resource. If I tell you you're wrong and you're willing to learn, look it up. Because it is yeah. my time. Time is money. Like if, right. you, if you want me to explain something to you, I may as well charge you for it. Yeah. Kind <laughs> of Google for free, you know? <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Um, yeah, I don't think it's fair to ask minority cultures for them to continue. Like, I think it's important um, to give them the space to tell their stories, but it's not your responsibility to teach white people about like you don't have to like minority cultures don't have to teach white people everything like white people need to take some responsibility yeah you know right yeah and it comes into that like entitlement and colonization so 
entitlement it, is huge. Yeah, so it's like all one full circle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, this has been heavy. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else, um, any other burning points you feel like you need to add? Um, no, I think I've covered everything, yeah, that I'm, okay. I can think of right now. All right, so this has been a heavy episode, so I want to end it on maybe a lighter note. We have some random, easy, rapid-fire questions that we would love to ask you if you are willing. Good. Okay, so what's your favorite flower? Um, oh, God. Daisy? <laughs> Daisy? Okay, do you, when you tie your shoes, do you do, like, the two bunny ears and then tie them, or do you do, like, the grown-up way? <laughs> I was actually taught to do my shoes in, like, the fourth grade by... It's like a different one. It's I don't even know how to describe it, but like you loop it between two fingers, you turn it, and you pull. Oh! <laughs> but you don't know that one. Yeah. So, um, what is your favorite season? Um, fall. Okay. Um, favorite Disney movie? Mulan. Do you have a mantra? A mantra that you live by. Um, I've been trying to do something called be nice to yourself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, have you ever been to Canada? Yes. I trained in Edmonton for a little bit at the very large mall. Um, oh, at the Edmonton mall? Yeah. Like at the Edmonton mall and at, like a couple rinks near there. And I've okay. been to Vancouver. Cool. Yeah. Okay. We live near Vancouver. <laughs> nice. Okay. I was in Portland, Oregon. So just below that okay cool um something that you are grateful for today my cat your cat <laughs> your, is your cat's name wednesday is that yes, right is i love that <laughs> thanks um and then some other favorite instagrams you can recommend to our audience other than you obviously oh okay um yes angry asian feminist is a great one okay um, oh goodness who else wait We'll link these in our bio or the show notes also, everyone, so you can follow. Uh, Human rights, spelled with an X in human instead of a U. Um, Okay. Who else can I think of? I really like Ellen. I don't know if that counts, but Ellen is- Ellen? Yeah, that counts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ellen is amazing. Uh, Phenomenal. So Phenomenal Women is like their brand, and they do Phenomenally Asian, Phenomenally Black, um, all of those. So that's really good. Oh God, who else? I have so many. I love like all of the people that I follow. Okay, well you can send us a couple and we'll link them out show notes for people oh, to follow. Oh, fat, fab feminist. So she's very body positive. Oh wait, what was that one? Fat fab feminist. Okay, yeah, we follow that one. We like her too. <laughs> yeah, she's she's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. Okay. Cool. Okay, thank you so much, Emma, for joining us. This was. Um, a heavy episode, but I think it's always important to talk about um, and opening up that conversation. And yeah, it's just important. So where can our listeners find you? Um, I'm intersectional.abc on Instagram. I am little Asian feminist on Twitter. Yep. And Love Twitter. those are probably like the only ones that I use and you can contact me. Yeah. through there. But yep. So if you have any questions, you can just DM me. Awesome. And you know where to find us at Getting Melty Podcast on Instagram. Rate, review, subscribe, share on your story, and we will send you some Getting Melty stickers. 
yeah, we'll send them to you in the mail. <laughs> All right, guys, do your thing. Uh, we look forward to chatting next week, and we'll see you on the gram throughout the week. Bye. Bye.